about the first Corinthians 6 passage he says of such were some of you know what I love about that because one of the great hopes of the Bible is that every saint's got a past and every sinner's got a future just because we used to be that doesn't mean you need to be that anymore and I love that about God I love the fact that I can't change where I've been but I can let the spirit of God change where I'm going everybody has a past and there's things in there you'd rather not acknowledge Pastor Daniel will remind you today, though, that you don't have to live like you were in your past. You have the opportunity at a brand new life, one that has been forgiven of all the wrong that came before. Sin doesn't need to define you now. Jesus does that. His grace covers whatever you've done, and it'll continue to change you as you walk with him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Galatians chapter 5 as he continues his message, Your Crazy Happy Choice. If you trust Jesus and you take the step of faith away from the the pseudo-savior, the cheap substitute, the echo of what you're really wanting, and you choose Jesus, it will be hard, but it will be fruitful. It will not be comfortable because it's not comfortable having to change something that you've gotten used to. But real transformation happens when the pain of change is more, you want it more than the pain of staying the same. What I can tell you as someone who has been there and done that, that it is a step of faith, but if you keep taking the steps of faith, it will land you right where you want to be. I remember for me, I was such a drug addict, and I was playing music as a career, and I remember I only knew how to play a gig all hammered. And I literally, when it was time to get clean, I'm like, I don't know that I can do this. Like, like, like I don't even know if I can play straight. And I remember I was like, I was racked with anxiety about this. And I'm not really like an anxious kind of a person, right? And I remember just being like, it's not possible. Only to realize when I started to trust the Lord that it is not only entirely possible, I never realized how much better I could be. (laughs) The guys in my band, like, you should have gotten clean 10 years ago, bro. You're horrible when you're hammered. I'm like, but I think it sounds so good. They're like, yeah, it doesn't. No, nothing for you. Get that out of here. And I had to experience that. And I realize now that it was scary because it was different, but God's way is always better. So the choice is yours. And I want to encourage you, no one, only you can make these choices. Now, from there, the Apostle Paul breaks apart the two different sets of choices. What it looks like to the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. Now, look what it says. It says in verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what this really teaches us is that our normal choices are destructive. 
That's what this list teaches us. Our normal choices, and to be honest, unless you grew up in a, in a Christian home and, and responded to your parents' teachings and the gospel, all of us find some of our life in that list. Now, not all of us find ourselves on every one of those things in the list, although maybe a couple of us might be close, right? But, but like we all find things about our life before Christ on that list. And really what it is is without the presence of the Spirit of God, our choices we make in the natural have a tendency to be destructive. Why? Because as the Bible says that we are fallen, we are sinful, our lives have been warped by sin, not because we wanted it, but by nature of being human because of the sins of Adam and Eve. You know, it's funny, I was reading a beautiful, beautiful passage by a theologian. He was saying, we have to always remember before original sin, there was original innocence, which is actually very true. Before the Garden of Eden, there was original innocence. And in some ways, newborn children are purely innocent. But so quickly, the sin nature shows its head. And anyone who's raised kids knows exactly what I'm talking about. You didn't teach them how to do that. They just did it. But you did teach them because you're their parents. They got your DNA, which we got all the way back from Adam and Eve. And so the human condition is that our natural choices are destructive. Now, I know that they're destructive because when you look at the list, what you realize is that in every aspect of this list, there is some sort of destruction of intimacy with God, with ourselves, and with people when you look at the things on this list. Now, it doesn't mean that if you do these things, you're going to end up a lifetime in prison. doesn't mean you're going to end up on death row. What it means is that when we walk in these things, it ends up being divisive and destructive for the way God creates, to have intimacy with God, to know who we are, and, and, and to not be racked with personal shame, and to not have divisions with everybody around us. And if you look at this list, this list really breaks things apart into areas of sexual morality areas of spiritual, the, the religious realm, and then also in the ways that we interact with other people. And, and so our natural choices end up being destructive. And ultimately, the Apostle Paul says, look at verse 21, he says, I told you in times past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there is not only a problem in the natural world, but there is also an eternal existential spiritual problem that extends on into eternity. And we always have to remember that what we do now has long-term consequences. There's no decision that we make. Nothing is just a short-term decision, right? We make short-term decisions that have long-term consequences. And so we have to always remember that these choices are destructive. Now, the Apostle Paul says something very similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You know what I love about the 1 Corinthians 6 passage? He says, of such were some of you. you know what I love about that? 
Because one of the great hopes of the Bible is that every saint's got a past. And every sinner's got a future. Just because we used to be that doesn't mean you need to be that anymore. And I love that about God. I love the fact that I can't change where I've been, but I can let the Spirit of God change where I'm going. I love the fact that although I made a million mistakes, that's in the past tense. Yesterday's mistakes don't have to be today's mistakes. Because Jesus, by the Spirit, is able to put, deal a death blow to all of this stuff in our past. He takes us from being guilty to not guilty, from being lost to being found, from being blind to seeing again. And when you look at that list, when you find, maybe you find your past on there, and praise God it's your past, not your present. If you see you're present in this list. Guess what? If you make a choice to say, Lord, I'm going to turn away from that and I'm going to embrace you, Jesus, it will be your past, but it doesn't have to be your destiny. So if you look at the list, adultery and fornication and uncleanness, all of this speaks of things in the realm of sexuality. Now, here's what I want to tell you real briefly. Your sexuality matters incredibly to God. We have a tendency to think that God is against sexuality. It's wrong. God created sexuality. There is something in God's personality that he loves the fact that we are who we are. He created our bodies the way that he did and our sexuality matters to God. Now here's what I wanna tell you. God is not interested in heterosexuality or homosexuality. God is interested in holy sexuality. And you can be radically heterosexual and be unholy in your sexuality. And you can have same-sex attractions and still be holy in your sexuality. I know that might be shocking, but somebody who is same-sex attracted, who chooses to be holy, honors God with their sexuality. They're tempted how they're tempted, but they don't walk it out. Someone who's heterosexual, who acts out in sexual immorality, is unholy even though they're heterosexual. See, we need to change the narrative because there's all sorts of people who believe in Jesus who are heterosexual, who their sexuality is not holy. And our God is a holy God. And God knows that the way we express our love and our affections, our intimacy, it matters very much to God because it's meant to tell a story. Our sexuality is not just about it feels good. That's what our culture says. It feels good. So if it feels good, do it. Or as the, uh, the old song goes, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Yes, it can. What kind of nonsense to people? If it makes you happy... It's not so bad. Yes, it is. It makes you happy because you're sick. What's wrong with you? So God cares about your sexuality. You See, if I were to break it all the way down, and I, I just dropped like a gauntlet in the middle. I just dropped that thing there. I'm just gonna like, okay, everyone's going to deal with that later. I'm throwing grenades. I talked about that, didn't I? My instigator personality. There it is. But literally, really what it all boils down to is all of your lives need to be under the authority of Jesus. And when all of your life is on the authority of Jesus, how you live your life is a holy way because Jesus is holy. And so you look at it, you're like, okay, my sexuality, God's interested in holy sexuality. Well, then from there, notice what happens next. Now you have the way that you start to deal with people. 
right? Where you have lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. I mean, obviously, idolatry and sorcery, those are spiritual things. When you worship something other than God, the idea of sorcery, of course, is some of the ways the pagan things were practiced in that day, and that include using drugs in order to achieve spiritual experiences. <laughs> Our culture's starting to embrace that again because we didn't learn enough from the 60s. On that point, you boomers, can you just remind everyone how burnt out you got dropping acid, please? It's coming out. I'm watching this now. It's like everyone's talking about microdosing and how good it is. I'm like, bro, like, go, go talk to the hippies. They don't do that stuff anymore because they went a little loco. Look at, some of you guys are like, amen, you know? Our culture's crazy. Sorry. <laughs> I appreciate you all so much. Literally, our culture is starting to say, man, we should start doing drugs to help us with our mental health. It's like, no. It's like, talk about the blind leading the blind. You know, but like, it's literally, I'm watching, it's coming out in medical journals, major news outlets now. And I'm like, you know, they're talking about, we need to start treating people with mental illness with small doses of natural hallucinogens. I'm like, are you, got to pray for our kids. Gosh. Okay, moving on. <laughs> but I don't want to. <laughs> you look at all the destruction that happens interpersonally. Like, look at this. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, and revelries. Isn't that like a, like that's like the characteristics of our age, isn't it? But it's destructive, and it's always been. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. The grace that does not change my life cannot save my soul. And what I want to say is I realize I'm talking here to our church family, and I realize not everyone here is, is a follower of Jesus yet, and we hope that you will be. But what I want to tell you, if you say I'm a believer, then nothing on that list should be a characteristic of your life even every once in a while. So when I see those lists, I say, okay, Lord, where am I falling short in this list? Now, sometimes you don't do the stuff, but your heart wants to do the stuff. Now, if you catch yourself in that, you say, Lord, thank you that I don't do the stuff, but Lord, will you change my heart so I don't want to do the stuff? So it becomes a heart work, not just outward work. But as followers of Jesus, we should not find ourselves. So listen, if you're hating on people because of how they vote, stop it. If you find yourself blowing up at people, because they take your parking spot, stop it. You know what I mean? If your love of sports is so aggressive, and I like it just like everybody else, that you're just like all up in someone because they root for the other team, stop it. Okay? Because God has a different plan. But we see ourselves in these lists. But then what we also learn, and as we move on to the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such there is no law, which I would say we want to let the Spirit bear fruit in our lives. Let the Spirit bear fruit in your life. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time here because the next couple messages, we're going to break apart the, the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to look at each one of them and how they work. Now, I do want you to notice, though, there is a distinction between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Because 
Notice the works of the flesh really speaks about striving, working, when the fruit of the Spirit is actually created by not working but abiding. And it shows the difference. One is natural. I have to work to do this thing. And the other one is when we abide in Jesus, when a branch abides in the trunk, the fruit comes over time. So one speaks of what we actively pursue and the other speaks of what happens when we stop trying to do it and we trust the Lord who's already done it. And of course, Jesus said it this way, John chapter 15, verse eight, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you will be my disciples, John 15, verse eight. So God is glorified when we bear much fruit. And the fruit that God wants to bear in your life is these nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Now you realize it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It's a sing- the word is singular. In the Greek, it's even more specific. In, Amer- in English, in American, in English, we don't say fruits. We say just fruit. It means multiple types of fruit. So we have a translational issue that goes on there. But it's one singular fruit that has all of these characteristics to them. And if you notice, there's nine fruit of the Spirit. And of course, there's nine Beatitudes. And that's why in my book, Crazy Happy, it's nine surprising ways to live the truly beautiful life. So I take a Beatitude and a fruit of the Spirit. I stick them together. And then we explore them in tandem together. And it makes for a very, very fun time. But what I do want you to notice about the fruit of the Spirit is that you can really very simply break them up into packets of threes and the first three are upward fruit and the middle three are outward fruit and then the last three are inward fruit. And you know I'm always loving the upward, inward, outward framework because that's what Jesus taught us, the greatest commandment. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and you love your neighbors yourself, upward, inward, and outward. Everything in life is in three directions. It's you and God, it's you and you, and it's you and everybody else. Upward, inward, and outward. So I love that. Love, joy, and peace. It's upward. It's what we receive. Then, of course, as you move into the, to the second three, then it says that we have long-suffering, kindness, and goodness. It's how you treat people. You're patient with people, right? You're kind to them, and you treat them with goodness. And then, of course, so you have the outward, and then, of course, you have faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's inward. That's you in where you live. So it makes a very fascinating little frame. And we'll talk more about it. But really what you have is you have either you pursue the lust of the flesh and you do the works for those things, it's destructive, or you let God, let the Spirit bear fruit in your life. And what I want to encourage you is that what I do personally, don't always get it right, God knows, is that everything I do, I have to check it against the fruit of the Spirit. You know, like, is this loving? Is this full of peace? Is this being long-suffering? Am I being kind? Is this an example of self-control? Right? And every time I weigh, if, I, if I'm willing to take that pause before I respond or react, I have an opportunity to catch myself from doing things that I don't want to do. And I think that's true for all of us. Like what you say to people, and I think what's important is for many of us, we process with people before we actually step on out and do things. 
And you want to have people in your life who, when you process, they hold you to try and abide in Jesus and display the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of my big points of sadness in our current cultural moment that there are so many believers who have felt the liberty to not act anything like Jesus and think that they're right. You know, like where something's going on and they feel the liberty because our culture is so competitive and aggressive that we forget and we start to take liberty like, oh, it's okay, that's how they treat me. No, no, we don't treat people the way they treat us. We treat people not like they treat us. We treat people the way Jesus treats us. We treat people the way the the spirit inspires us to live. And so if you're in that place right now where you're catching yourself taking liberty, not being kind, not being good, not being patient, stop it. Take a moment. You don't want to take that liberty. That's not freedom in Christ. That's using our, our freedom as an occasion for the flesh, which Paul says we shouldn't be doing that. And so we want the fruit of the spirit to be a guiding principle. When we are walking in the spirit, our lives will have a display of these qualities and characteristics. And then Paul closes this section out. Verse 24 says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so ultimately really what you find is that if you make the choice, we end up living and walking in the spirit. And that's really what it says. I mean, it's kind of amazing where it says, you know, in verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. You know, the spirit leads and then we, we follow. And so our life becomes a life that is lived, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the spirit is also, he's the source of our life, but he also is the course of our lives. Like, like, like our lives are created in the spirit and then we walk in it every single day. And I think it's beautiful because really what you realize is that ultimately that when we are in Christ, then we've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So when we think about what the cross means, when we look at Jesus on the cross, we have to realize that Jesus was crucified for us. And when we are united by faith in Jesus to him, then our old person, the old man, the old woman, our lives in the flesh have been crucified with Christ. The Apostle Paul said it in Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So every time you go to lean into or make a decision that is part of life in the flesh, you have to remember that dude's dead. You're being a zombie. Like that's not who you are anymore. Following Jesus comes with some difficulties. The world won't like it. The enemy, Satan, will want to pull you far away from Jesus, and he fights dirty. And it's easy to get sucked into the things that make you happy in the world, even when they aren't exactly characteristics of a Christian. But as Pastor Daniel told you today, there's some great benefits that come from walking with the Lord. You'll discover more about him, about you, and about the way you get to live 
everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Come back next time as Pastor Daniel dives into the fruit of the Spirit. You've learned today how a Christian should not be, so now it's time to learn who you should be when filled with the Holy Spirit. The results of walking each day in God's presence will be incredible. It will produce in you gentleness and kindness toward others and joy beyond measure, love for all, and much more. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 